Andrew Aziz is a multi-passionate entrepreneur with a passion for making trading better for everyone. He started his career with a PhD in chemical engineering and has since then gone on to become a trader, investor, and the number one best-selling author. His books have been published in 12 languages, and some of you may know his most popular book, How to Day Trade for a Living, which is named the best trading book by Investopedia and Business Insider. The book provides strategies on how to day trade in the modern stock market. When he's not trading, writing, or running his multiple businesses, Andrew is in the mountains skiing or mountaineering. He's currently on a mission to climb the highest volcano in each of the seven continents. Please welcome my friend, Andrew Aziz. Don't forget to smash the like button and subscribe to hear more stories like these. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome to the show, Humble Traders. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of your work and I'm excited to talk to you. We are both in Vancouver and uh, I think I met you last year when I went to visit your office. Before then, I, I thought I knew you were in BC, but I never thought you were like two blocks away. Yeah, so I knew I, I knew you were in Vancouver as well, uh, mm -hmm. but you just never had the contact. And you know, I should have actually reached out to you and say, "Hey, let's meet up." But thanks for uh, arranging that. And yes, we met first time traders for cause, mm. and then after that, you came to the office. That was a good time. Yeah, your office is amazing, by the way. So much space, and your team is so big. I was like. Oh. I thought you were just one dude trading from your home. <laughs> well, <laughs> like trading me. is still the one person, but we are building that uh, trading terminal. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, most of them are developers and there are two traders in there. So, um, mm. but it's good to have an office. I love yeah. uh, having an office and I hate working from home. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny because that's most traders dream to work from home, being in your pajamas and like your office, like two steps away from your bed. I don't know. I mean, we live in an apartment. I live in an apartment in mm -hmm. Vancouver and it's a small. I love to have a space. If I were living in, in a big house, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe I had my own big office and everything. But mm. I hate to have a very small den and uh, trading from a, a very small office. How long have you been in Vancouver? Did you immigrate here? Yeah, so I did. Uh, so in 2008, I came for uh, study. Okay. I did my PhD in chemical engineering in UBC, University of British Columbia. Uh, so I was an international student. And then after that, I was eligible to apply for a skilled worker. And then after mm. the skilled worker, become permanent resident and citizen. So that path, yeah. So Vancouver is my home. Okay, and so that's 2008. 2008. And you graduated? In 2012. 2012, okay. And did you have like a former formal career after you graduated? Yeah, so I did start work as an engineer in uh, two uh -huh. different companies, uh, working on hydrogen fuel cells and electric cars, but with hydrogen, not with lithium batteries. So there was okay. a research center in Burnaby for a German car company like Daimler and Mercedes-Benz. Okay. So we're working on that, but I got laid off from that job in 2015 or 13. Mm. And uh, that's how I actually really got uh, more serious into trading and learning how. And before that, I really didn't have any money. So mm. the trading for me or investing for me was irrelevant because as a student, I really didn't have any money. But oh. when I started working, I had some cash to mm -hmm. play around with it. So your first approach, like the first time you had a taste in the market, it's not from investing or swing trading. It's just you dove straight into day trading. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I started with swing trading. Everybody okay. starts, oh, buy Apple, buy this, buy yeah. that. So we all got into that. But uh, after that, uh, you know, so OK, I want more. You know, let's trade mm. that. It goes up. You want to sell it. And then you sell it. OK, well, what should I do now? I have to 
buy it again. So everybody starts with swing trading. The first book that I read was Swing Trading for Dummies. Uh, it was actually a really good book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was a really good book. I remember book. the yellow book uh, yeah. with the... Okay. Most of them were they're not uh, great, but uh, Swing Trading for Dummies were actually really good. Really? The author okay. was Omar Basal. He's a fund manager in uh, Kuwait. He's actually a really mm, good guy. Okay. So it was really well written. And it got hooked me, hooked me up with trading. Mm. And then that was the time that the whole day trading started picking up. Mm. Everybody tries to get into the market. And then I started day trading and play around with it and lost a lot of money and a story that everybody has at the beginning. Mm. So you were day trading part time before going to work until you got laid off. Yes, that's oh, correct. I okay. was trading. I was day trading uh, part time and then I got laid off. And then for <laughs> five months when I was unemployed, I started really uh, working uh, on day trading. And I said, OK, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make a lot of money, mm-hmm. $100, $200 a day, $300 a day. It didn't really work out well, so I had to get another job. Okay. And uh, I kept that job, um, but I still waking up early and try to uh, at least trade for until mm. eight eight thirty. That's more. That's the time that I'm trading. Okay. So for the first two hours of the market. Yeah, I think that's the the beauty of living on the West Coast in yeah. Vancouver, Los Angeles, or any anywhere along like the West Coast where you can you can start trading at six thirty a.m. and be yeah. down at eight thirty and then go to work at nine nine thirty. And like trading part time is very very possible here. Yeah, that's I think one of the uh, successes that I have in trading was the time zone. Mm. If I was in the New York time or Eastern time zone, I wouldn't be able to. Yeah, that'll be tough unless you are able to negotiate with your job and like start way later. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you actually officially become a full time trader? 2018. So mm. I, in 2015, when I got laid off, 2016, I started a new job. For two years, a year and a half, almost two years, I kept that job, but I was trading on the side. And then officially in 2018, I gave the notice and I said, I don't want to work there. Although uh, it was a really good uh, job. It was really okay. difficult for me, but I said, it's not worth it. No. I want to travel the world now. <laughs> oh, so I quit okay. that in 2018. Do you enjoy travel trading? Have you been doing that a lot? I've done that a lot since 2018. Well, I got my citizenship Canadian passport in 2018. Before mm, that, I'm perfect from, timing. Perfect timing, yeah. So yeah. I, that was one of the reasons that, okay, now I can travel. Before that, with uh, my uh, previous passport, I couldn't really tra- travel that much. Mm. I need to get visa and everything. It was difficult. Uh, and then, yeah, from 2018 until now, I traveled a lot. I traveled a lot even during the pandemic. Mm. Uh, that was really fun, too. Oh, was it was it easy to travel during COVID and bring in your laptop and everything? Yeah, it was it was a little bit painful because you had yeah. to do all the, the COVID testing and then when you come back you had to do the isolation and uh-huh. stuff. But it was awesome because nobody was traveling oh. in that time. Everywhere I go was nobody there and you know, all the tourist traps were empty and I uh-huh. love that, yeah. Oh, that's like literally the trader dream, I think. Yeah. Travel, trade and like be remote, that lifestyle. I think a lot of traders want that. Yeah, it depends on what people want. For me, traveling and see the world the mm. way that I want has always been uh, my goal. Like, mm. I don't want to go, you know, travel the way that most of the people have to because they have to only Christmas time and then they have to take a cruise. And yeah. I wanted to see the world the way that I want, like go into the small villages, climb the mountains. And without trading, it's almost impossible because I travel almost six months a year. Mm. And uh, so I really needed uh, that. And uh, I think it's a very nice lifestyle, but I don't think anyone would enjoy that. Like my uh, my family members, they don't like to travel that much. They mm-hmm. like to have a you know beach lifestyle or very laid back lifestyle. Uh, I love to travel, to see different cultures, cuisines mm-hmm. and 
place. Yeah, yeah. I think trading is one of those careers that enables you to do that. You just need yeah. one good internet, uh, which is kind of tricky <laughs> it has sometimes to be really good internet. <laughs> yeah, it know, has right? to be. It's a lot of hit and miss. Like I've been to very remote area in Ecuador, mm -hmm. like like middle of literally nowhere. And I had the best internet in my life I've seen. What? And then I go in Paris and I can't even connect to my platform. It's just <laughs> for some reason, it's just the internet is so bad. Uh, it's very hit and miss. That's like so in funny. Some of the very uh, cheap hostels, really good internet. And then you go to best Ritz Carlton Hotel, there's the bad Wi-Fi. I don't know. It's, I just don't get it. It's really hit and miss when you're traveling. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, for me, I was in Ecuador, for example, during the Christmas time. It was in 2000, 2021, I think. And it was around the time that there was another wave of COVID. Yeah. And uh, they tried to lock down. They closed the border. I was already in there. So I mm -hmm. went to climb the mountain. It was a small uh, hut. And in that hut, uh, they had internet. And usually <laughs> in the, the internet is good for everyone. Yeah. They would usually have internet bandwidth for a lot of people. But because there was nobody, oh. I had the best internet. That's why there was the maximum bandwidth that I could ever see. That it was amazing. Yeah. So you were trading on high altitude. High altitude. It was like <laughs> 5,000 meter of trading and oh screen God. sharing and video and everything. Oh, my was God. Awesome. So funny. <laughs> and how did you do? Did you, do you find that you trade better high on the mountain? Uh, no, actually, <laughs> most of my trades at the high mountains. I'm going to go to Everest and I want to climb as high as possible when I have the internet. Well, that's a good test. Oh. Maybe if I can do that at 6,000 meters, that would be nice. Oh, my God. Yeah, do the internet test, the speed test for everyone watching this in case they want to go to Everest and trade. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> okay, so for those who don't know, Andrew is an avid mountaineer. And is it true that you're on a mission to try to, try to climb the highest volcano on every continent that is uh, the plan yes okay how many have you done so far four four, four? yes meanwhile i'm just chilling my little pants on my whistler climbing my little trails that's what you enjoy <laughs> people have different things for yeah. me mountains what i like about mountains is humbles me mm. like a humble like like you're humble trader because the market has humbled you yeah and we are, this is a humble traders podcast because yes. everybody in the market has always been humble. Mm -hmm. What I like about mountain is humbles me in life. When you can see the huge mountain mm -hmm. and you feel nothing in front of it, I like that. It uh. reminds me of how insignificant I am. That's what I like about it. I like that. Yeah, just yeah. like how we are all technically so insignificant in the market so as well. Insignificant, no one yeah. cares mm -hmm. about your your 10,000 shares. <laughs> exactly. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, market makers are one of my stop losses, heat on that. I don't believe in that. I don't think mm. market makers are sitting to see one my 200 uh, shares to get my uh, data stop loss. I think a lot of it is just people trying to find excuse for their uh, losses and mm. not learn from it. Um, I don't think sure. market cares about us that yeah. much. It's a very powerful thing. Oh, okay. So besides mountaineering and trading, I think a lot of our viewers know you from writing the book, How to Day Trade for a Living. Could you tell us a little bit about that? What inspired you to write the book? Yeah, so first of all, I have to say that when I wrote the book, and it was late 2015, mm. I was not a great trader. I was kind of trading, mm -hmm. but I was not a great trader. Okay. When I started trading, I, I wanted to learn day trading. Okay, what it is. So I went to the different chat rooms, the YouTube channels, Mm. and uh, started watching videos uh, 
from a lot of people, a lot of big traders, good traders. And then I got inspired and said, okay, why not there is a book that specifically tells all of these details step by step for me? There was mm. a lot of blogs, there was a lot of videos, but there was no step by step guide. Mm. And then as a PhD, uh, <laughs> I decided to write that book because that's what I learned as a PhD student. Yeah. Is as a PhD, they give you an unknown topic and then mm. th you have to research about it. And then in research, you go through the literature. You see what is available, you propose the question, you do the experiment, and then you finish it by publishing your papers and thesis and defend it in front of, uh, you know, an uh, mm. uh, examining committee. And then that book was, uh, very naturally, was exactly the same process. I said, okay, I'm going to study it myself. I did. And I said, okay, I found it. These are the tests. Okay, these are the charts. These are my examples. I used to have a blog that posts all of my trades in there as a journaling oh, okay. tool. You know, I was using it as a journaling. And then I started writing it and mm. I wrote the, the first version was very small. And, uh, and then I defended that. I published that and now, you know, went to YouTube channel, put the recaps and everything. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be successful because first of all, I think it was a good right timing for it because mm -hmm. everybody wanted to learn, but there was no good book. Mm -hmm. And then the second of all was that it was written by someone who was going through the pain of the learning trading themselves. Mm -hmm. If I was a Very big true. trader in Wall Street, I might have written that book differently. Because then no one would understand no that No one book. would understand yeah. that. But I was going through the pain of understanding that what is this VWAP? What is the platform? Or how mm. do I put this moving average in there? Or what's the point of this? So because I went through that, I think it was very successful. It resonated with a lot of people. Mm. And because I self-published the book, uh, I got the chance to update it a couple of times. That's also a big thing because if you go with the publisher, it's a little bit hard to uh, to get uh, to to get the updated versions out. Oh, okay, interesting. So I actually read the book many years ago. So recently, I, I reread the book. I, I have the audio book actually, so I re mm. re listened to it, and I you know I you know I got a lot of insights from that. So knowing now what you know. So many years later, because the first version of the book was 2015, you said. Yeah. How would you revise it? How would you update it now, today? I think, uh, and I am actually going to update it. Mm -hmm. I think what I would do differently is, uh, in the book, I was explaining about the strategies. Mm -hmm. And there are different strategies that I trade. In the new version, I want to emphasize more like building a trade book. And the trade book is a little bit more important than a strategy. Like opening mm -hmm. range breakout is a strategy. Mm -hmm. But how you actually execute that and mm -hmm. what are the criteria from a stock selection, from trade execution, from trade identification, mm -hmm. uh, and all of those stuff. So I try to put more uh, elements of how actually you execute that strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, so in my book right now, I explain the st strategies, but I don't spend too much time on how to actually execute that. Mm, okay. Uh, so I want to, you know, revise it with more hands-on uh, mm. tips about how to actually execute that. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of like a step number two for yeah, the traders. Exactly. Step number one is reading a book as it is now, and you're providing step two, like leveling up a little bit with mm. execution. More hands-on, exactly, mm. yeah. So you can explain to them the strategies to forever, mm -hmm. but you have to also walk them through uh, examples. Like one section that I want to add in the new edition is actually to put my recent uh, examples that okay this is a step one this is how i found it this is how i executed this is how i made a mistake so to show them more real life 
examples like mm-hmm. kind of the recaps that we are doing on youtube mm-hmm. but in more written version that people understand it step by step better oh yeah i like that i think that's a great idea actually yeah I like think the thought good. process whether it's a wing or loss from start to finish how you planned it especially i yeah. think trade planning is probably the most difficult part yeah. to learn as a trader exactly yeah uh, how many uh, trade books you have or playbook people call it differently essentially how many strategy do you trade i have on the big picture i have five or six and then a lot of times like variations of each one mm. of them yeah there are certain ones where i'll tweak the entry for a certain market environment or if it's like a small cap stock i might you know have the entry a lot higher but overall big picture is the same mm. so i have around six do you have name for each of those strategies yeah i do may i ask sure uh i have one that i talked about on the channel called uh, the gap up reversal mm-hmm. long so that one specifically for obviously stocks that gap up and i'm looking for a reversal after like did the profit taking mm-hmm. move another one like the short side i have like this one called the extension short uh, the the ideas in the name when the stocks are really extended on the daily i short it on the first red day mm-hmm. yeah that's like generally the big picture idea Very nice. yeah so that's how I, I personally do it. I categorize them into different It's books. very important. I think yeah. people should give name to the strategies mm. uh, because it gives that a strategy a character. So you yeah. actually treat it well. Like I have, uh, like, for example, your gap up reversal mm-hmm. is uh, something that I call the double bottom reversal. Mm. So it's a, I th- I'm pretty sure it should be the same because okay. I'm looking also the stock guy gapping up. First drop, you see some sort of a sign of a strength mm-hmm. and then you try to catch that reversal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's amazing that, for example, two traders can see the same strategy, but yeah. they name it differently. They execute it differently. They mm-hmm. put their own DNA and fingerprint inside that strategy. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the market. Yeah. Because you cannot follow another person uh, strategy. No. You have to personalize yeah. it. Like you and I, we can hand people the exact same strategy we play, play. If that doesn't fit their personality or risk profile, it's not going to work for them. Exactly. Like they have to really get the big picture idea. And like they can take a piece and pieces like from you, from me, and then they, they tweak it. So like it fits how they trade in their own style. Yeah, yeah. Or they may like trade the other side. Like when we look for the profit taking, they may take the short. Yeah, and we're down do. there looking for a long. Well, that happens <laughs> yeah. a lot uh, in our community. Like uh, Brian that you met, mm-hmm. which we, Brian and I are trade at the same time live. Mm. And sometimes one stock, we completely trade in the opposite direction. Oh. And at the end of the day or at the end of the session, both of us are profitable. Because mm. it's very important that more than the direction that you choose, the trade management mm-hmm. is... Uh, you know, defining if you are successful or not. Mm. Like I might short it for five seconds. He might take a long for a five minutes period. Mm. And at the end of the day, both of us are uh, successful. And that's amazing to see how one stock can give so many opportunities Mm -hmm. for so many traders. Yeah. As long as there's volume. Uh, As long as volatility (laughs) and volume. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. But but there's more than one way to make money in the market. So I think you're right. That's the beauty of this market. That's yeah. what. That's why it's so, uh, you know, exciting for me every morning. That mm. it's it's just like solving a puzzle every morning. Like, okay, how we can figure out this thing of the market today? And mm. I like that uh, more than money. I like the, ch- the mental uh, challenge or stimulation. It's like gamers. Like I think, especially day trading is very similar to gaming. A lot of the gamers are, you know, you have to press at the right time. At the, mm-hmm. you know, have to figure those steps, and it, that mental uh, uh, stimulation 
for day traders is very important. And it's also dangerous too, because it can very be like gambling. Yeah. yeah. But I like, I think most of all, I like the challenge. And like you said, it's like a game where you can be there trying to figure out the challenge and then you almost instantly see whether you're rewarded or you're punished for it. Yeah. So like it's, it's, a, it's like, I know it's, it's not good, like instant gratification yeah. or instant loss. That's like how, you see yeah. the, the results of your, of your you know, hard working, whether you were right or wrong. That's, uh, that's how it actually can be dangerous too. Gambling mm. exactly like that, that yeah. instant gratification mm -hmm. that you try to chase that uh, uh, high. But generally, I love the fact that you can get the result of your decisions in the matter of minutes mm. i like that you know swing traders when they take a trade you have to be patient investors yeah. decades of uh, <laughs> staying ah, i'm a bad person <laughs> so you don't invest i do okay. yeah well um but you just don't look at it or Nah. well some of my investments are in real estate okay and uh some of our, my positions uh the, the cash idle that i have mm. uh i bought an etf right now and i'm sitting on an etf just for income generation so i mm. look at it it's in my account mm -hmm. but uh yeah i just don't look at it it's my idle cash and mm. here's the problem with day trading is as your day trading account gets bigger it becomes a little bit difficult to beat the market. Like if you have a $5 million account, mm -hmm. then you can't really, they, you can't day trade, but it's how much you wanna make. You have to make $50,000 a day to be good, but you have to put that money in work at least in an idle passive uh, position. Yeah. Uh, so one of my accounts I'm just buying and I have an ET ETF, just uh, getting 12% uh, dividend from it. Mm. I, uh, I feel the same, but for me, I like to keep my trading account Separate, a manageable yeah. size and keep oh, yeah. them separate. And you know, I'm not saying everyone should do this, but I do this. I, I take the cash I have. I kind of, I know people are always saying, oh, you shouldn't, like, you should just manage it yourself, invest it yourself. But I don't want to because I know I like, you know, my hands, I love to go in and out of the trades. So I give it to someone else to manage it. How yeah. much is your trading account, may I ask? In the. Feel free to cut it out, so later. <laughs> six edit. figures. Six figures. Yeah, yeah six nice. figures. Yeah. So how much? You, so six figures or, mm -hmm. or hundreds of thousands. Okay. Not yeah. million. No. No. Okay. No. I, if I do that, I think if my trading account is that big, I do stupid things. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you know I've come to realize that as a trader, I'm the number one biggest threat to my trading account. So you know, it's also part of like, do I ever want to risk? losing half of a $1 million account, not really. So that's why I keep at six figures. It's still a significant amount to make enough money, but if I lose all of it, <sighs> hope it doesn't happen. But if I one day I lose my entire account, it's not gonna wipe me out. Uh, do you trade with a seven-figure account then? Yeah, my account is seven-figure. Are, are you ever worried? Well, last year I had a $2 million loss. $2 million dollar yeah, loss? Because I, I think a, I saw it in your YouTube video. Yeah, I had a really bad, I was live in front of everybody. It's just, uh, but I got, uh, I got some of it back from tax returns. So oh, okay. I, I get $500,000 back from tax returns. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. So I didn't know the CRA was me a check on that. Oh my God, but that's a, that's a nice check. I don't think I've ever gotten that much return. Yeah, hopefully you don't CRA. get that much. Get I've never gotten anything back. From, okay. Cannot talk about CRA here. No, but the good thing about the trading, I don't know how mm -hmm. you do your taxes. My taxes are, you know, the trading income is a business income for me. So over the be, years, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because we yeah. do a lot. So 
you pay taxes and mm-hmm. then when you have such a bad loss you can actually carry back to three years mm-hmm. and then you get it back yeah um so i got it back because i in the last you know 10 years i paid so much taxes so that was good <laughs> <laughs> i like how positive you are yeah well I, it was really hard i mean the la- i closed that position in may two in 2022 last 2022. year may, almost okay. a year ago okay and it was really bad i was v- i was feeling really bad but i recovered most of it so uh, plus that five hundred thousand dollar tax return <laughs> yeah. helped a lot so i kind of <laughs> mentally moved on but at one point i said i probably better stop trading i was really that bad was it a day trade from one day it was a day trade that i turned it to a swing trade <gasps> which is the oh, mistake no. that most oh, of the no. people do that you're not accepting the loss yeah it just keeps going down you keep adding to that and okay. then eventually does that all of my big losses have always been averaging down on a losing position uh-huh. and the biggest one was the one that actually i just kept also uh, overnight do you do you remember of course you remember the ticker yeah it was tna tna yeah it's a leveraged etf for oh, it's leverage under, uh, <laughs> risky business andrew weapons of mass destruction oh my god uh, you can make a lot right? if it goes in your favor but holy that's a, that's what i was exactly thinking i, w- I bought it at the uh, i don't know at the price that i bought I was thinking of, well, if it goes up, then I'm set for life. Like a private jets and Lambos <laughs> and everything, bring it up. But it just can't come. And it's always the opposite. It goes oh down. Oh my God. <laughs> leverage ETF. Well, leverage what? Uh, what, what, uh, it's, what? Uh, it was uh, IWM is an index. Okay. You trade IWM? Uh, I, don't, I don't touch the ETFs much. Yeah. I use it to, I look at it as I trade individual stocks, but I try not to trade the ETFs. So IWM yeah. is an index that is 2,000 micro cap companies. In okay. There. And TNA is uh, the, the three times leverage of that on a daily basis. <sighs> so meaning that if IWM goes up 1%, uh-huh. this one goes up, uh, 3%. 3% go up yeah. and, and the, the vice versa. Okay. And the, the big one, the famous one is TQQQ. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's a very similar. It's the same company that is mm. offering that. So okay. that one is tracking QQQ. Okay. So you were long biased on it? I was long biased. Oh, okay. And uh, so I got that in there. And IWM in the matter of three months dropped 20%. So that means yeah. my position dropped 60%. Yeah, small caps got destroyed yeah, last destroyed, year. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so that was, a, I had a very big position. I had like almost, like almost, yeah, it was a $3 million position that I eventually closed it at $1 million, so a $2 million loss. Oh my God. Yeah. Did you, was it, did you plan on having is that your regular size or is it after like you keep on adding no i, I kept adding on that that's oh, a good okay. question i kept adding on that oh. originally i wanted to have just one million dollar position uh-huh. just one million yeah i yeah, mean yeah. i mean it's doable one million mm-hmm. it's not that crazy because you use margin i use margin all the time for mm-hmm. day trading my my positions like on tesla for example at today i traded like up six seven thousand shares and mm-hmm. it's yeah Two hundred dollars, near two hundred dollars. So mm-hmm. my position was worth two to one million dollar. Mm. Uh, of course, uh, I use margin as well. Yeah. So you can right. go on a three to one margin and mm. track brokers. Do you trade the actual st- uh, equity or you trade options on these? Well, I do both. I recently mm. got into the options for the type of trade that I do. Options mm-hmm. are a little bit tricky because for at the open opening range breakouts, mm-hmm. if you want to get to the options, you have to bring the option chain really fast. You have to be ready. It's and very then you volatile. Select strike and then yeah. you have to volatile and then the spreads are bad. And sometimes buying the shares are much easier. 
But today, mm -hmm. for example, I shorted the Tesla and then I also shorted some calls, uh, option calls as well. Mm. Because I had time and the level was clear and everybody in the chat room was shorting it and I said, okay, I'll short it as well. Mm. Um, so both, but I mostly shares. Okay. And I know it's not very capital efficient, but mm. I, I like that. It really, I, I'm really good at uh, doing it. Yeah, I think that's also the reason I prefer shares. Like I, ch I thought about like dabbling into options, but I just like the fact that you know, it's easy to get filled yeah. when, when you're trading shares. Like yeah. something like Tesla, at the open, the volume is so high that you can get in and Anything, out really yeah. quick. Yeah. Are you comfortable talking about your losses in front of people? Yeah, originally I wasn't, because mm. that's very embarrassing, you know, because people coming and say, oh, this Andrew dude lost $2 million, blah, blah, blah. And then after, after a while, I realized that, okay, you know, everybody knows that and I should talk mm. about it. And, uh, you know, there is a lesson for myself more than anyone else. And if that helps anybody mm. who listens to that, then so be it. You know, people don't average down on your losing position. Mm. Averaging down works most of the time but that one time that doesn't work it can destroy your life yeah like i'm young and i got lucky to recover that from loss but a lot of people can recover from that kind of mm -hmm. loss and this is serious so i think uh yeah i think i'm comfortable speaking of, of it mm -hmm. for me i think where i used to average into adding the losers but i used to do it a lot on the other side on the short side whereas because i used to trade a lot of low float stocks and I'll just short them all the time. And I'll even swing short them. Yes, with the intention of swing shorting. But at that one time, you had the stock going from $5 to $40 to $60. That's, that, that's usually how account, I yeah. uh, blew, up, blew up in my first couple of years. So one question that I ask, uh, I've mm -hmm. been, I'm being asked a lot, uh, and I want to ask you, what's the difference between averaging in into a position or average down on a losing position? Yeah, so the way I trade is I only add if it's already going in my direction. So let's say if I'm long, it's already like going higher. Like you're seeing higher lows and you see profit target, let's say it's, for example, Tesla, let's say my target is $200. It's already setting in that uptrend. Then when it dips to 170, let's say I have an average of 170. I add into like 172, 173. So I'm adding higher. So that's how I trade. So. In my case, you know, when I add to a loser, it will be if the stock, let's say, break down 170, mm -hmm. I add down 179, 170, sorry, 169, 170, 168, 165. That's averaging to a loser. Nice. Yeah. So you always average into the direction of your trade. Yeah. Good. Especially after it's like, confirmed that, okay, like, it's, this is an uptrend. Let's go. Yeah. That's very nice. Good. Thanks. Good to know. <laughs> no, that's just the way I trade. Like, I'm sure people have different ways of yeah, scaling yeah. into the trade. Yeah, everyone has like their own style. How would you tell our audience, like on a big picture, what's your um, strategy? Like you mentioned the opening range breakout a lot. Could you explain to everyone, big picture wise, what, what is that strategy? So that strategy is when your stock is, uh, first of all, it has to be in play. So it means uh, gapping up or gapping down or mm -hmm. have a very significant amount of volume. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work on any stock. Like if you give me a random ticker like Ford today, it doesn't work probably. So it has to be something that has some fundamental news on it, like Tesla. Mm -hmm. like Tesla today was the earning yesterday mm -hmm. and uh, that activity. So I look at the stock, is tr how it's trading at the pre-market. Is it trading above VWAP, which is a volume weighted average price, or mm -hmm. below that? If this stock is a, uh, squeezing above the VWAP and shows them a strength in the first minute or five minutes, then I can take that trade into the direction of, uh, of the breakout. 
So that would be five minutes. So look at the first candlestick, five minutes. If it's bullish above the VWAP, you go long. You mm. put the stop loss below the VWAP and you try to get to the breakout of uh, pre-market high or the mm. next uh, technical level that you have. Okay. And the short would just be the opposite. Short would be the opposite. Mm -hmm. I like to go long on the stocks that are gapping up. And okay. I like to go short on the stocks that are gapping down. Because mm. then you have the you know tailwind with mm -hmm. you because the stocks are gapping up for a reason and yeah. gapping down for a reason. However, you always have to look at the opening lock price action yeah. because like Tesla today was gapping down but opened very strong. For half an hour, it was just ripping higher. Mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, the trend changes. So very important to see at the opening price. Plus, where is the trading compared to the VWAP? That's mm. the most important indicator that I use. Above the VWAP means the stocks are strong. Below the VWAP are weak. Mm -hmm. So you try to go short below the VWAP, go long above the VWAP. Mm. Do you ever trade any of the small cap stocks or just stick with the no, big caps? No, I, I stopped uh, trading anything less than $10 a long time ago. Like the mm. last time that I traded them was 2020 during the pandemic. Mm. I, 2021, 2022, I never touched them and I don't plan to touch them mm. at all. Um, because there are different crowd of the people who are trading them. It's completely different. Mm -hmm. uh, so the indicators would be different. The price action is different. Uh, it's just not the area that I want to get in there. Plus, we are in a bear market. Or kind of we are in a bear market. And the volatility on the market and a lot of these big names are good enough. Mm -hmm. Plus, when your account is getting bigger, you can make meaningful return from Apple or NVDA yeah. and higher price. Mm -hmm. But for the small uh, traders, a little bit difficult. That's mm -hmm. why they're more intended toward the penny stocks because uh, the return could be more significant there. Mm. Yeah, those are really good points, actually. Yeah, I, I, I'm trading a lot more large caps this year and last year because small caps, just way too many games. Like I look at my P&L, my profit and losses, some of my biggest losses prior to 2021 all came from small caps. So that's when I decided, okay, if I just remove trading that kind of stocks, you know, I still trade them by size down. And I like, only like trade them like less than 10% of my trades are small caps now. Yeah, if I just remove this kind of stock in together, I'll be a lot more profitable, make a lot more money. Yeah, it's a lot a, of times it's about just about removing the biggest losses. Then you're you're good. Yeah. It's an evolution of yeah. a trader. You would mm -hmm. be you would be surprised how you would be evolved in ten years. Like I, mm -hmm. ten years ago when I started, I didn't know that I trade like this today. Mm. Uh, so th that's the evolution. Like for example, you said options. If you get more into this big caps, th the more you would realize that oh, options are actually very powerful because. Mm -hmm. Penny stocks don't have option chain, mm -hmm. so you can't really trade the options on them. But Apple, Tesla, AMD, NVIDIA, Market, S&P 500, everything has option chains. Mm -hmm. And then when you realize that, okay, there are some opportunity to trade options when the price action is choppy. Like mm -hmm. we can't make money when the price action is choppy, but if you sell the options or you trade the options, even on the choppiness, you can make really good money. So. Mm -hmm. Options, I think, is a more natural evolution for people who stick around for uh, large cap. Um, so tell us about what your routine is like as a trader here in Vancouver. Uh, I wake up uh, usually around 5.30. Okay. And I try to be by the office by 6.15. And uh, when I'm waking up and making the coffee and everything, I watch the, the pre-market show that uh, people are running on YouTube. Mm. So my team are running the pre-market show and sometimes I go see other uh, channels. There's one newsletter that I'm reading is very interesting uh, from Bloomberg mm -hmm. uh, that comes right around 5.30 in my inbox. 
Mm. It says five things to start, uh, five things to know to start your trading day. So it's a summary of what's happening in the markets and with some commentary. I like that. It's very short. Mm -hmm. uh, it's from Bloomberg. Uh, and then by try 6.15, which is 9.15 on the trading hour, I try to be in behind the station. Okay. And most of my trading is done by 10.30, uh, which is, uh, sorry, 7.30 our time oh, would be yeah. uh, 10.30 on the Eastern time. Okay. And then after that, I go for a run. Uh, I used to do the run before uh, trading. But mm -hmm. I kind of changed that uh, as I'm getting older, I just need more sleep. Mm -hmm. So I do the run usually between uh, 9 to 10, 9 to 10.30. Okay. Get back home, shower, change, breakfast, uh, and then, yeah, go back to the office mm. and continue working. Okay. So you really only trade from 9.30 to, sorry, Eastern to 10.30. So one hour a day One now. hour, yeah. Oh, very yeah. optimized. Yeah, 75% yeah. of 80% of my trades are done by 10.30. Mm-hmm uh rarely i stay after 11 like mm. uh, training hours so i i don't like that it's not my style i suck at it uh, i don't want to be around and i, I just want to enjoy my life i don't want to i don't care mm -hmm. about the, what market does i think it's good a lot of traders think full-time trading means sitting at the trading desk the entire day but a lot of times that's actually how you lose all your morning profits exactly yeah, yeah. and it's getting choppy and you know it's not fun really trading in the afternoon. I've never found it. Sometimes there are things that are breaking news coming or some of these penny stocks mm -hmm. and sometimes some activity happens, but like life, you can't chase everything. You have to accept that, okay, there are things that is happening and you're not part of it. I like that. Yeah. 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 So what about in the evenings? Do you have any evening routine to prep for the next day? No, for trading wise, mm -hmm. no, I, I am not. Uh, I kind of feel embarrassed to say that, but when I'm finishing my day, doesn't impact anything in the market really doesn't impact me until mm. the next day. Cause I'm more like a chart pattern trader and mm -hmm. I look at those opening range breakouts. So the fundamentals of what's happening behind the market really doesn't uh, change my bias. Mm. If anything, it might actually impact me. Like today, for example, I wanted to short Tesla cause the results of the earning was bad and it was difficult to short <laughs> Tesla at the open, right. but that bias helps you. So I wish actually last night I didn't look at the uh, earning results mm. uh, so uh, I try not to really uh, do that there is one really nice uh, newsletter that I uh, read it's from uh, stock tweets okay and I like that uh, it's a very nice uh, short uh, what's happening in the market and I like mm. that sometimes I read that Okay. So what time do you go to bed to be able to wake up at 5.30? I usually go at 9. Okay. Uh, 9, 9.30. You know, all of my friends know that, you know, during the weekday, I'm the party pooper. So they know <laughs> that, oh, I'm going to go at 9. Goodbye. Nobody You're going to be me. that guy yeah. who leaves a party I'm at 9. I'm always that guy, yes. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm that person, too, actually. I think it's good that you're able to kind of really separate your own life and from trading. So, so it doesn't, you don't let like, let's say like a bad day or a really good winning day kind of affect the rest of your, your day. Has it always been like that? You no, know? I think uh, over time, uh, I think over time you realize, uh, first of all, you need a certain amount of uh, success in trading to have that cushion for losses. Like it's mm. really at the beginning, like when your account is going down and most of the people are like that, that hockey curve that you go down and then go up, it's very difficult. Mm. But after that, like I'm at a certain stage of my trading that $2 million and $2 million and $5,000 really doesn't matter that much. Mm. Like when you reach that level, everything else has become real. The money loses its value. Mm -hmm. So 
the bad loss, if it's not like a $2 million loss that wipes out 50% of the account, it, you know, it's just a loss. You know, you make it another day. And I've reached after 10 years that uh, to this point that the market is just getting better and better. Mm. Like the volatility is getting better and better. I'm getting better and better. And there is always a chance to make it up. Like mm-hmm. if this was a you know party like for one week you know it's like Burning Man or Coachella you think <laughs> oh I gotta use it it's gonna finish gonna end, but the market is just forever. So oh. if I have a bad day tomorrow is another day another day and another day. So not having a FOMO for me is that I know tomorrow is gonna be another mm. day and if this not ticket it's gonna be another one. Yeah, I think as traders, like you said, the most important thing thing is just to survive and trade another day. Yeah, survive. Very important, especially at the beginning. Survival mm. at the beginning is very, very difficult. Like like a baby, like if baby, a toddler and started walking, it's very important that doesn't fall, you know, mm. the stairs or doesn't, you know, nothing bad happens. But as you start walking and you learn that, it's just everything becomes so mm. easier. And, as a baby grow up, they they do more extreme things like mountaineering, mountaineering climbing. Yeah. It's calculated <laughs> risk, yes, but these are yes. calculated. It's like trading. Uh-huh. You know, I actually did publish an article about uh, mountaineering and climbing. Oh yeah. Uh, so, they're, but they're the same thing. You take risks, mm-hmm. but it's calculated risks. Mm. Uh, like climbers use the rope to try to avoid the avalanche, the best weather, and you know, security in place. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is still a risk, but it's not uncalculated. Mm. It's like trading. You take a replace a trade, and you know, make sure that the risk is controlled. Um, do you think since you become a full time trader now, you've been trading for more than ten years, has your trading ever affected your personal life, like your how your family, friends approach you, or how how like you may come across to other people or like your loved ones? I think so to some extent. Yeah, um, I mean. When I became very successful in trading in 2020 mm. and 2021, early 2021, I was feeling, you know, I was not humbled. Like, I was not a humble. I was oh. far from being humble. I was feeling just invincible. Like, I figured this thing out. Nothing would stop me. I'm going to be a billionaire soon until market really humbled me down and said, you know, just uh, just keep it keep it down mm. uh, so it did impact my relationship with other friends as well so I was feeling oh I'm successful I can make money yeah I replace you I don't want you, I, you know. Mm. and you know it does it did impact me to some extent until it really humbled me and realized that okay the money the fa- as fast as it comes it can go even away faster it's mm. just you're one bad trade away from just being broke mm. and that was a big eye-opening lesson for me so actually now I see friendships value that I make with people, you know, you can't replace mm-hmm. it with money. Uh, when I was trading, uh, I was married and my previous uh, wife, she never asked any question about the result of my trading. That's good. You know, and that was yeah. really important. And mm. I really, really value that because it's very d- stressful to explain to people on you know daily or monthly basis. Oh, I lost this amount of money because mm. the money that a lot of people are trading is the money that they are risking for their family. And I've had mm. a trader came to me and said, I have this, uh, you know, paradox that I want to trade for my family, but I also have to risk the family saving. And I don't yeah. I can't put these two together. And I understand that, uh, mm. you know, as especially as you know, you get older and you have more family commitment and the kids and the college funds and stuff. So um, for me, personally, family was very important to supportive. And by their support was not asking any question, my ex-wife. Mm. Uh, and I think that's very important. And my mom also never asked how much 
uh, I make or I lose, and I mm-hmm. actually try to avoid her to know that. <laughs> but she recently <laughs> figured out my YouTube channel, so oh, she no. goes and watch she's my YouTube channels. And yeah, she's unfortunately. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, no. so, yeah, I have to change the channel. Uh, <laughs> but overall, no, I think uh, I think people around me stayed the same. Mm, uh, I ch- I try to change a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, people around me. You know, still, still the same, and you know they're genuine. They like me for who I am, mm-hmm. not what I make or what I lose, and that's very important to stay to the core values and friendships that you have mm. during trading. Because when I actually had that bad loss, my brother, the closest person to me, helped me to recover mentally from that. Mm. Is he a trader? Yeah, he's a trader. Oh. He's a really good trader. Yeah, he's more trading options, but he's a really good trader. Mm. His background is finance, and so he's he knows a lot of stuff about markets. Oh, smart family! We have PhD here, finance guy there. Because we are from Iran, in Iran, they always push you toward the school. Go study, go study. It's uh. just you know, it's very uh, tradition that people in Iran, in, I mean, uh, India is also the same way. There are a lot of countries they push you toward the school. And that's mm. very typical in Iran. Yeah, it's like that in Taiwan too. You either become an engineer like you, a doctor Doctors. or a lawyer or a disgrace to the family. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. That's exactly Those like Those are Iran. the options. Yeah. No, nothing else. Iran, the lawyers, they don't really uh, encourage lawyers, but a medical doctor or mm. engineer. And that's why I, I'm chemical engineer because Iran had a lot of oil and gas and chemical mm. engineer was a good field. Oh, uh, it's not big, as big as here, but uh, mm-hmm. in that time it was oil and gas. Go to oil and gas, engineer. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Oh. But you never considered working, like you, you don't want to go back, obviously. But I don't think I can. Mm. I, don't think, I, I don't think I can go back to corporate life. Sometimes I'm thinking that if I don't trade, what would I do? But I guess I have to retire if I don't trade because I don't think I can go back to nine to five. I don't think you look like you can retire. That's also true. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> your personality-wise, you don't look like you can retire and do nothing. That's yeah. usually what people say when they say That's retire, also, right? People who retire too early die. That's what mm, I found. Yeah. My, di- my dad retired too early, and he died uh, very early. Oh. A lot of people are our family because we have to do something. We have to keep fighting for something. Yeah. The people who retired early they just get covid and just get sick and mm. die. And I really believe that what we do is the, is the purpose of our life. It's like sharks. They, they cannot stop swimming. Yeah. If they stop, they actually die. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I think that's true. <laughs> we might have to fact check that. <laughs> 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 no, I saw it on like the, the National Geographic. Anyways, National Geographic. What, would, what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? Knowing what you know now, having all the market and life experience, what would you say? Trading-wise or life-wise? Uh, Both. Let's well, start with trading. Uh, trading-wise, I would uh, advice would be definitely uh, stick with the, the larger caps. Mm-hmm. Don't mess around with the lower float. Under ten dollars, anything not under ten dollars and low float, like mm-hmm. anything less than 30, 20 million shares float, stay away from them. There's so much money to be made not touching them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be that trading advice. The life advice would be uh, don't take your life too seriously. Like, you know, money comes and goes. Money was always very important for me. Mm. 
Mm. Like I was come, I come from a family of nothing, and you know, just making money was a thing for me. Mm. And then I, you know, I, uh, you have to make it, and then realize that it's not really bringing you happiness, and it's not that everything. Mm. And uh, as a business wise, if I want to tell as a business advice, uh, life to myself is understand the business cycles. Mm-hmm. Like the the capitalism system goes through the cycles of the expansion and the retraction, and uh, I didn't know that. You know, I was I I grew up in the zero interest rate environment from 2009 to 2022. Mm-hmm. It's just a different environment, and now we are into entering a you know a different cycle of the business that everything is contracting, interest rates are getting up, yeah. and there are a lot of business people. You have to be ready for those cycles. So the advice we understand the business cycles that. Mm. Uh, what would you tell to new traders? Any tips for them starting out? Trading a simulator, it's the most important thing that I have to tell people. It's so exciting to, I have seen so many people who are opening up an account and mm-hmm. start trading without a simulator. That you, you wouldn't do that with driving. You wouldn't do it with so many other things. How could you just start opening up an account and start buying these uh, zero day to expiry options? No, don't. Oh you God, trade on yeah. a simulator, develop that plan. It's three months consistency. That's the most important thing. And uh, I think the ha- just surviving the game of trading is very important. That's what mm. I want to tell the new traders that try to survive the game. This is a game that it takes a uh, few years to master. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not a get rich quick. No, it's scheme. not. I know it's very cliche. Everybody yeah. says that. But here, read the stories. Like watch this video. The people who are watching this video until to the end, you know, you've gone through a lot of things about my story. So you know that it's not easy. And another thing is that mm-hmm. there are a lot of people asking me, okay, Andrew, when am I, how long it takes for me to become a consistently profitable trader? The answer to that is never. There is no date that you say, okay, I made it from now on, it's downhill. No. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a very experienced trader. I had a really bad loss, $2 million loss. You know, you always have like a diet. You always have to watch your diet to make sure that you stay healthy. There is no point in your life that you say, okay, I'm fit and this is it. Mm-hmm. No, it's just a work in progress every single day. You're one decision away from a very bad trade and, you know, a disaster. Thank you for those tips. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> I think our audience really needs it. What would yeah. you tell yourself uh, if you go back 10 years? Going back 10 years, wow. I think, I kind of wish I left college. I wish I didn't go to college, to be honest. I spent four years, wasted a lot of money. You know, I wish I spent the money in other kind of education. It could be trading, it could be something else. I was in film. I wish I spent the money, you know, just learning more practical, um, actual hands-on experience rather than going to college. I think that's what I would tell myself. Uh, I so wouldn't have listened. I know that. But <laughs> Don't you think that the college that you went had impacted your success as a good content creator? Yes, but I don't think I need a four years for that. I think, you know, a year and a half or two years would have been enough. I could have left and still have the same, exact same editing and storytelling uh, skills. Yeah. But it's a good point. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad I you know, studied film and went to VFX. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, where can everyone find you if they want to find you on social media? So I'm in all social media, uh, search Andrew Aziz or Bear Bull Traders like the animal, bear market, bull market, bear bull traders. So at bear bull traders, pretty much all of my social media are there. And I try to comment in under this video mm-hmm. so people can see if. Yeah, I'll tag you to too. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, thank you so you. much, Andrew. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And I give a shout out to the people in the behind the scene. Nobody 
see these guys. Yeah, uh, we have Daniel and then yeah. we have Jean. Yeah, part just of the leave, it in the, team. leave this in the final edit video because I've always watched your video <laughs> and I was always thinking it's you doing this, but there's actually people are doing a lot I of things. I actually do nothing. I just show out and talk. <laughs> <laughs> these other people are making it happen. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed my conversation with Andrew. Remember, it's free to smash the like button and it's also free to leave me a five-star review wherever you find your podcast. Thank you guys so much for watching as always. I'm The Humble Trader and I'll see you guys next time.